Hey everyone, welcome back to the Character Arc Podcast. I know a lot of you are probably um, in a state of mental disarray with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and uh, the effects on your individual lives uh, that that's had. And uh, I myself am dealing with those as well. We're here in Portugal, in Lisbon, Portugal, where things are still kind of early stages with the virus, but... Um, they're already starting to take some precautions that you know weren't put in place early enough in places like Italy. So we're hopeful that things won't reach quite those levels, but you never know. So um, for anyone else who's out there uh, dealing with the effects of the virus and locked up at home and unable to go out, we feel your pain and uh, you're not alone. So um, one of the positives, though, associated with the fact that we're, you know, locked down is that I have a lot more time to dedicate to things that are close to my heart, projects that are close to my heart, like this podcast, um, which I haven't released an episode of in several months. And there's several reasons for that. You know, one is honestly the way I was doing it before uh, was way too time consuming. You know, I was doing a lot of editing. Um, obviously, that all goes on behind the scenes. So you weren't seeing it uh, from your end, but on my end, it was taking me several hours um, to put out each episode, and uh, it was just a lot of background work, and I, I don't have the bandwidth for that at the moment, so one of my goals was to figure out a, a different kind of format for this this podcast that makes it make sense for me, and still provides a lot of value, and um, gives a, a lot of interesting information to the audience, which is you, and so in the few in the coming months, I think I'm going to start, you know, taking on a different format, one that's a little less work intensive, um, which may means you'll hear a lot more ums and uh, you know pauses from me as I continue to make unscripted um, podcast episodes and I start having guests on where where we don't edit the content afterwards. Um, so yeah, so I'm thinking of doing some you know more interviews um, as you will see in this episode. Um, after I finish my little spiel here, uh, and also more freeform conversations about topics of interest because I have a lot of those and I feel like they um, should be shared because sometimes some really valuable content comes out uh, in the process. And I talk because I talk to a lot of interesting people, so I want you all to get the benefit of that as well. So you know, um, aside from the podcast, of course, there uh, are other ways that you can follow what's going on with the character arc. Um, the Facebook has been fairly active lately, so. You can find us on The Character Arc uh, on Facebook. And also, I've been doing a lot more work on LinkedIn because I've started uh, working uh, more closely with some of my clients as a career coach and um, you know helping people, primarily entrepreneurs uh, and tech workers, to um, unstick themselves from you know their, their undesirable job situations, um, undesirable life situations, etc. And that's been going really well, and I, and I like the one-on-one -on -one work. It's, it's really rewarding and it's fun and it's engaging and uh, I can do it even while I'm quarantined so that's another plus so yeah you can find uh, more from me on LinkedIn Facebook uh, the Instagram's still going if anybody's uh, looking for some poignant panels to brighten their day that's uh, the character arc with underscores between the three words um, but for this episode uh, I want to introduce kind of one of the first podcast in this new format that I'm trying, which is uh, this interview interview format. And the first interviewee is uh, someone very dear to my heart, and I was really glad to get the chance to do an in-person interview with. 
Um, and just so you know, you know, you can find this same interview on the Facebook page and also on LinkedIn. But I'm releasing it as a podcast since, um, you know, some people consume uh, this stuff in, in different formats and this may be easier for some. Um, I have to warn you that the audio is a little bit uh, fuzzy. Uh, fuzzy is the wrong word. It's more, you know, it's just it's not quite what uh, you would like to hear out of a, an audio recording because we filmed it in a park, a beautiful park here in Lisbon, uh, actually. And I did some noise reduction uh, on the back end to try to clear it up a bit. But, um, you know, if there are times you hear like a car in the background or some birds, my apologies, you should still be able to hear our voices fairly clearly. Um, so my guest this time is uh, George Bailey, who is my father and also a very interesting person. Um, he is, among other things, a Vietnam War veteran. He flew Hueys uh, in-country in Vietnam for two years and then was a flight training instructor, I believe in Georgia somewhere, um, for another two years before he got out of the military. Um, he then on, went on to have a very long and illustrious career as a, a helicopter pilot, still, as a civilian. And you know, so he was a bush pilot flying uh, in Guyana, Alaska, Panama, you know, and this is back in the 70s. Um, and had a lot of cool stories from, from those times. Uh, and then he retired eventually after, uh, I believe it was 35 years or 30 years as a corporate pilot for um, companies like RCA and uh, Pfizer and Warner Lambert, which I guess was absorbed by Pfizer in the later years. Uh, he's also a sailboat captain. Um, after he retired from flying, he decided that he wanted to keep, you know, moving around quickly. And uh, aside from driving, he decided to pick up sailing. And so he took a bunch of sailing classes and he's an obsessive person. So he just learned literally everything there is to know about sailing. And uh, has a, he bought a sailboat and he sails out of um, the Jersey City, what is it, the Liberty State Park Harbor, um, which is just across the river from New York City, really cool place to go hang out. And uh, I've sailed with him several times. It's really amazing to get on a boat with him and, and get out there in the water. Um, he's also a nonfiction book author. He just recently finished his first book called um, Seventh Day Rebels, the story of Harlem's Black Sabbath Keepers. And this is a, a nonfiction book, like I said. And, you know, in it, he writes about his um, the history of a church that was founded in Harlem uh, in the 1920s, I want to say, um, as an offshoot branch of the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, when there was a, a schism between the you know, white congregations and the black congregations due to segregation. And um, it's a really fascinating story. It kind of parallels the story of the Harlem Renaissance and the story of the Civil Rights Movement. And it really is like packing in a lot of history and interesting story about the personalities that were um, around it at the time while also telling kind of this little unique slice of life that you can still see the remnants of today. So that this church that he writes about um, is still in New York City, and you can go drive by at any time and stop by for a service. And I remember going there a lot as a kid. So it was extra fascinating for me to read. But um, it was an excellent book, really well written. Um, you know, all, all of his skills, uh, he now can include a writer, uh, which is pretty awesome. He's also an artist. Uh, he's got an Instagram that maybe I'll try to share a link to in the show notes, but he's a fantastic artist. Um, he, he's been an artist since long before I was born, and it's one of his main hobbies he's always had. He's also a designer. He like uh, designed our kitchen <laughs> in uh, his house when, he was, when I was a kid uh, or teenager. He, um, design, he used to design cars you know, and um, other vehicles. He's designing an outrigger for his sailboat at the moment that he's building in his basement. 
it's crazy stuff. He's, he's a really just interesting, fascinating guy. You'll hear more about his story um, in the actual podcast, but I just wanted to give an introduction to all the things that he's done and why maybe you should give this episode a listen, um, because the list of uh, things that make him interesting definitely goes on. Um, so he's 76 years old. He came out to visit us in Lisbon very recently, and I had the chance to sit down with him and have this, this really fantastic conversation. Um, he's you know, had a lot of life experience and has gained a lot of wisdom from it. So uh, maybe there's something in there that can give you some perspective or some food for thought um, during these, these trying times. So without further ado, I give you my podcast with my father, George Bailey. Uh, welcome back to the podcast or the, the vlog, whatever you want to call it. Uh, very happy to be in sunny Lisbon today with uh, my special guest. Uh, well, now introduce. So, my guest today is a Vietnam War veteran, um, retired corporate helicopter pilot, uh, an accomplished artist, uh, published author of one book so far, uh, and a father, my father actually. Uh, and also a grandfather of how many kids now? How many, how many grandkids? Four. four. I do grandkids. have one grand, great grand. I can't keep up. Neither can I. Um, well, that's my introduction of you. Is there anything you want to add about yourself? No, we just subtract a few things. I mean, because uh, that's that's that fits the bill. But uh, thanks for the introduction, and uh, I'm very happy to be here. Great. Sunny Lisbon is correct. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, I really just wanted to get you on, you know, to, to sit down with you and talk to you because uh, you've led a very interesting life and have been very accomplished in a lot of different areas, which I think is pretty rare. And so uh, I wanted to just get your take on a few things. Most of these questions are unfair. You know, they might have answers that you, you won't be able to easily give, but uh, I'm going to ask them anyway. You, you All right, throw them at me. All right, so start with the fun one, which is uh, what's your coolest or most interesting pilot story? I know you got a lot. I have 45 bunch, years. Yeah, I have to think. Yeah, 45 years of flying. I have to think. I, I've uh, come across a few, but I think the one that I uh, remember mostly is the time in Alaska when I was returning to my base and I called in about five minutes ahead of time on the Unicom frequency, which means it's just a a call and response frequency. Anybody who might be on there might respond, but nobody in general responds. It's a, it's a frequency for everyone to use. Okay. I called in five minutes before I landed. And the next thing I can recall, the next thing I remember specifically, was I was on the pad at flight idle, on the ground, exactly where I wanted to be, but I don't remember anything about the approach or the landing. So it taught me that one of the biggest enemies of uh, flying or operating any complex machinery is, is fatigue. Uh, so I realized at that point that I was probably in a fatigue state and I stopped flying for that particular day. I just said, no more. Yeah. How long had you been up? Did you, was it like? Um, I had been up for quite some time, but at that point, uh, I had been in that same region for quite a bit, maybe about two and a half weeks. And you can get uh, fatigue on the region itself because you're flying in such a small area mm. that everything becomes so familiar that you stop really being on the lookout. You start, your alert level tends to go down. 
And that's why they didn't keep you at a place for very long. Three weeks was a maximum. So I might have been there for more than two weeks at the point where that happened. But on that particular day, it wasn't a very long time. I hadn't been flying for a very long time. Okay. So I went into the, uh, the base operations and just told them I wasn't going to fly for the rest of the day. Yeah, okay. I would have thought uh, it would have been some something, some Vietnam story, but that's interesting. And you know, the fact that you, you must have a pretty good autopilot, like internal autopilot. That <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. there's a lot to. of muscle memory to flying and mental memory. So obviously what I did was I did what I normally do. Yeah. But it was such an, so far in the background of my consciousness that, you know, I, I felt like I woke up. When I was on the ramp, I felt like I woke up and here I was where I wanted to be. Yeah. It's got to be scary. It was scary. <laughs> That's exactly why I walked to the uh, base operations and told I wasn't going to fly the rest of the day. Okay. Nice. Well, a new story for me too, sir. That's oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number two. Uh, so, you know, you, like I was saying, you did what you loved doing, you know, for a living. Yeah. You, know, you wanted to be a pilot since you were a kid, right? That's correct. And then you went on to actually be a pilot. And yeah. It's, you know, so I find you know it's rare to find somebody who has a passion and then they make it into a career mm -hmm. that's successful, you know, for their whole life. Mm -hmm. So uh, as someone who's done that, I wanted to know, um, you know, what, what advice would you give someone who, you know, has a passion that they want to make into something that they that they do? You know, if you can think of something. Well, I think that a lot of people uh, have a passion and then they have this attitude that. My passion, I love it, but it just isn't going to happen. And so I guess my best advice is take the leap anyway, because perhaps your passion is going to lead you to success. You may not be as successful in something you're not as passionate about, but if you have something and you, that you want, you'll do what it takes to grasp it, I think. And so uh, at least once in your life, you know, reach out for your passion and go for it and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, uh, if it didn't happen, you know, I probably would have been an accountant someday, you know? <laughs> I guess I might have been successful at that. I don't know. I'm sure you would have, yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll second that advice. That's, that's, that's great. But yeah, the defeatist attitude that comes along with just thinking it won't happen. Yeah, and it's, it's easy to, to believe that things, it's easy to be pessimistic, mm -hmm. you know, because in a way, pessimists are always right, you know? Mm -hmm. But optimists are, are, are people who make things happen. You, know, you can't make anything happen if you're not op at least a bit optimistic about the success of the venture. You know? So if you have a lot of optimism, if you really want it, you, there's a ch good chance that you'll do what it takes to be successful. Yeah. All right. There are no guarantees. Of course. Yeah. But uh, you're guaranteed to fail if you don't try. Yeah. Well, I found like that for myself also. You know, a lot of, a lot of times I've gone off and done outlandish things from the outside <laughs> seem crazy yeah but it's always been rewarding even when they you did a lot of outlandish things as a little boy oh yeah yeah and as a teenager so uh, yeah that's right i remember those <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I think that doing those things even at you know what you say today uh, either uh succeed or learn right right so even yes, when I, I failed i, I never like lose I got, right yeah. i never lose i either win or learn yeah i think i got something out of those experiences mm -hmm. even the ones that didn't go exactly. well expect them to Okay. Um, here's another unfair one. So they're all unfair. <laughs> they, are, they are. This one's worse. Um, what is? What would you say is the number one contributor to your success? And however you define success, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, success. People define define success in material terms too often. 
So, I think psychic success. Wow, that's a good question. It's, a, it's an unfair question. Thank you. But I could answer one way very simply is that I've been very successful sitting here with my son, <laughs> who is a really great guy. Thanks, Dad. No, well, uh... I think that was an unfair answer to you. It's unfair, yeah. You're speechless. I am. I don't I believe it. Got me. Nice. <laughs> nice turnaround. Well, what's the contrib... What do you say is the contributor? I mean, I guess what ha having me was the contributor. Well, you know, yeah, success in material terms is one thing. Yeah. But there's other kinds of success. And um, having you and watching you become a, a, a man of means, a man who is, has, has experiences, uh, some of those experiences I even envy, you know, so there's that turning point where the son becomes a teacher, you know, the, the father becomes a student, you know, and I, I really, I really like that. <laughs> well, thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alright, let's see. Um, okay, next! Not, <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a good one. I think this is a good okay. one. Um, well, the others weren't good. What? No, no, they, they were good, but this one's this one's more fair. Okay, I think this one you can might actually. Be oh, a fair answer. question. That's fair, probably the one fair. that's going to stump you. <laughs> so, uh, what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you were my age? I wish I'd known that it's more about the company you keep. It's about other people. It's about people. It's about the relationships. I wish I'd known that uh, a little better when I was younger, but. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. I yeah. think you get more by giving, and so by giving you find a certain gratification. Sometimes it comes from the response of the other person. So you get good positive feedback from uh, the kinds of things that you give to other people. That helps with your self-esteem if you happen to start out on a low level, where I did. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd agree. Um, I, I'm coming to terms with that now, mm -hmm. you know, I think, because I was very introverted. Not just introverted. And so was I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also shy when I was growing up, as you know. And so it's hard for me to embrace, you know, being out in the world with people. It's terrifying for me. So yeah. learning to do that, though, has been really rewarding. Sure, sure. Yes. You meet people, that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yes, yeah, uh, good, good advice. I'll, I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it on board for myself, too. Yeah, I'm, keep, I, I'm taking it even now, you yeah. know. So it's like uh, at my age, you just don't stop learning just yeah. because you get older. So, yeah, I'm taking my own advice every day. Yeah. Um, all right, well, my, uh, this is one of my last questions. And this is more, you know, my my business, the character arc, is all about fiction and, you know, resonance with fiction mm -hmm. and how you use that to your advantage. And so I wanted to ask, what is, you know, one of, if not the most, let's say, influential story that you've encountered? Uh, how, well, you know, I'll give you my answer first. Uh, okay. Describe sure. it a little bit. Sure. Um, I got this book from you when I was about 14, I think, when I first read uh, uh, A Separate Reality by Carlos Castaneda. Oh, yes. Yeah, you had all those books. Mm -hmm. I had all of them. Yeah, and I went through it. I think now I journeyed to Ishtalan yeah. is my favorite. Okay. Um, but those books were the first time I encountered, you know, those kind of ideas mm -hmm. about existentialism, mm -hmm. uh, about how to be in the world. Mm -hmm. It really opened up a new pathway of exploration for me. So that's been a hugely influential book to me. I don't really know how to answer your question. You I, read a lot, so I, I read know, a lot, yeah. but I didn't read an awful lot of fiction. <clears throat> um, some of the fact books I might have read may have actually been fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I, I don't really want to go there right now. But uh, stories and characters, uh, it's, 
I really can't come up with an answer for that. Okay. I think it may have been the character, whatever characters I've read about that faced real adversity mm -hmm. and somehow overcame it, um, that resonates with me. You know, if I watch a movie and I decide there's a character there that I associate myself with, that I can actually assert, uh, assert assimilation with, if that character does something stupid to move the plot forward, yeah. I'm just like, oh man, you know, what? I want to tear into the screen. You yeah. know? And, uh, maybe I look at the, maybe I, I'm too aware of the dudes mocking her. Mm -hmm. um, but that's probably one of the reasons why I don't watch fiction or read fiction because there's so much part of it. The, the, the real stories, I mean, truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you read about some people and you just shake your head. Wow. You know, people who've done things in the past. Um, Bessie Coleman is the person who comes to mind. She's a pioneer aviator. You know, she faced, first she was a black woman and she learned how to fly in the 1920s. So, uh, okay, let's, let's go there for a minute. Yeah. Uh, she faced a lot of adversity. But she took the, the steps to overcome every one of those negatives to, to get, get to her positive. Um, there's so many stories about people who are born into circumstances that should lead them to some kind of failure or stalemate. Mm -hmm. They just rise up and just find their way to startling success. Yeah. And you don't have to look to fiction for that. And unfortunately, I've been able to find many examples of that in real life, in history. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't gravitate to a fiction. Because I've been so startled by the reality of something like that. So, you know, making an artifice out of it, you know, making something up, yeah. almost seems to, to pale in comparison. Mm -hmm. So that's not a reason not to go into fiction, because many fiction writers write <clears throat> for the reason that they want to tell maybe a more universalist kind of tale of the same sort, but uh, there's so many examples in real life that uh, I find that very important. It's helped me to learn how to manage my way through, through life's inconsistencies. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Um, well, actually leads us to kind of the last thing I want to talk about, which is uh, your book. Oh. A fantastic book that I uh, just finished reading a couple days ago. Um, and, you know, there were some larger than life characters in that book also. So uh, I just wanted to ask you to maybe tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what's the book about and why did you decide to write it? Okay, that's that's good. And it also goes back to some of your earlier questions because, yes, I became a pilot because that was my passion. But that doesn't mean I can't do other things or, or have desire to do other things. And so writing this book really out of character for me because I wasn't considering myself an author at all, but... I found, I sort of inherited a story that I that nobody knew about, mm -hmm. and I felt compelled to tell it, yeah. because if I didn't, nobody would ever know about it. So I had the material, I was, I was gifted the material, and uh, I used it, and I found that researching the story uh, became a, a seminal event in my life, and so it was motivating. Once I started research, searching, I was uh, really motivated to keep writing. And it, the story is about the church that I grew up in, but it also parallels the story of Harlem almost uh, perfectly because this, the church was 
uh, churches started about the time that Harlem, a neighborhood in New York City, uh, which turned into an African-American neighborhood, populated neighborhood, about the same time that the church started. And uh, many people around the world know Harlem as what it is, which is a, a, a cultural beachhead uh, for African-Americans. So the story was connected organically to Harlem and it just kind of worked it my way. I just had to work my way through it to get to the story of the church, how it evolved, as Harlem evolved, the politics of Harlem, the population, the mix of Harlem. And so the story just kind of wrote itself in a way. Yeah. Because there were a lot of dramatic pauses uh, yeah. and uh, schisms and things that happened that uh, gave it some meat, you know, maybe a little controversy. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. So becoming a researcher became uh, another part of me that I didn't know uh, existed, and uh, I found it uh, very rewarding. Yeah. Well, uh, the fruits of your labor were uh, well received, at least by me. I, was, okay. I thought it was really interesting, um, having oh. been. You know, so I got the book here. Everyone, it's called Seventh Day Rebels: uh, Harlem's Black Sabbath Keepers. Um, and so it kind of catalyzed, it uh, tells a story of the split yes. in the Seventh Day Adventist Church that kind of mirrored the you know the, the, the time around the Harlem Renaissance. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. a lot of the challenges faced by the offshoot branch of the Seventh Day Adventists. Um, and you know what that was like being in that time and seeing everything going on there and i was lucky enough you know as a kid going to that church to visit yeah, yeah. Uh, where your father was pastor uh, yeah he was he was a pastor uh, uh for pretty much well for all of my life and up until the time that he passed away yeah and um but i remember going there as a, as a kid myself mm -hmm. and meeting some of the older people who are some of them who are still alive now yeah oh yeah um who you know have that first person experience with all these stories that go back to the early you know, 1900s. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I never was big into history as a young person, but now I'm starting to see it for what it is, like what you just talked well, about. As I get story. older, as I get older, I sort of feel more connected to figures in the past mm -hmm. because I've lived through a number of generation, generational eras. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm kind of glad that you can feel that connection too. Yeah. That's one of the things I wanted. Yeah. And hopefully that gives you a little insight into me and what I've experienced coming up. But the next thing I would like to do is sort of give you a more biographical story of myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe a memoir, but I, I can't give you a, uh, what is it, a timeline narrative, but I think I can drop stories on you yeah. uh, from various parts of my, uh, my past that would show you a bit of who I am. So I'd like to do that so I can move things forward. The connections from the future to the past has to be strong. Yeah, yeah. I'll, well, I'll take them. I'll take any stories you got. Uh, I remember when you were keeping your your blog. Uh, oh, I was yeah. following that religiously because you, you tell these little vignette stories. Mm -hmm. You know, the times when you were in Vietnam or you know yeah. these experiences you had. And it was really interesting. And you also have been a photographer your whole life, so there's pictures that kind of go along with right, this. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever comes up next. Okay, uh, but, I am too. But yeah, I want to show the book again. One more time. Get it on Amazon. It's really fascinating, especially if you have an interest in you know history and these you know like it's such a small piece of history in, in the context, but it wraps into the larger context yes. so well that it almost feels you know um, you know the, mic the macrocosm is made up of microcosms. Right. Yeah, I do quite a bit of name dropping in this book. Of names that you wouldn't even associate 
with Harlem historical characters did feature in the history of Harlem, even if it's tangentially, yeah. but Harlem had a huge influence on a lot of people, not just culturally, but historically and politically. So that's reflected in the book. Yeah. I love and, and yeah, well, I like it. So thanks for writing. Great. Thanks for sitting down with us uh, here today. Thanks for sitting with me. And actually, thanks for visiting us in here in Lisbon. It's oh, been great I'm having sure, you. I'm certainly happy to be here. And, uh, I've got one of the best hosts and hostesses in the world. So thanks again. And I enjoyed my trip. And uh, I will be back. All right. I hope so. You better be. <laughs> All right, Dad. Great.